Good evening, everyone. Um, tonight we'll continue our uh, Bible study on the book of First Peter. But before we do that, we'd like to just touch the Lord in singing a hymn together. We'll sing hymn 971. Etienne will uh, display the words for us. Thank you, brother. And then we can just uh, sing along. And uh, we're, we're not just wanting to do this in a passive way. I hope we can all really exercise to touch the Lord in these words and through our singing. Okay, Etienne, you can play for us. Thank you.
Filling to the brim, man Amen. by thus expressing and be one with him. Amen. Amen. He's the he's our living water and Amen. our food. All our thirst and hunger he satisfies. Amen. Oh Lord Jesus, we praise you. You are living water. Amen. Oh, you are our food supply. Oh, right. we thank you and praise you. Amen. You quench our thirst. You feel our satisfy our hunger. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord, that you are the only one who satisfies us. Yes. Amen. 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 Yes, Lord, you are our everything. If everything is headed up in you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. you, Lord. In his eyes, rich flowing, man will be transformed into precious substance and to him conform. Thus will man be built as his counterpart. Thus to be his dwelling, satisfy his heart. Amen. 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 Saints, I really appreciate this hymn. Maybe uh, we can sing it again. Um, I just appreciate the 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 progression in the hymn that uh, God's heart's desire is that he wants to be joined to us. Science, what a mystery. <laughs> that God wants to be joined to man. So for this, he's causing this vessel man to be born again so that he can put his own life into man. But science, I appreciate that tonight we'll see that Peter has this utterance. We have been regenerated, which is this matter of being born again, unto a living hope since this hope is that in this life rich flowing we will be conformed to him 
and eventually will become the new Jerusalem. So, so eventually we'll become the, the dwelling place of God and man for eternity. This, this hope is not just something on the earth. It's not something objective, but it is something eternal. And it is something for, uh, for, uh, that we'll participate in and partake of in the future. But it's not just for the future. We can enjoy all the aspects of the new Jerusalem today. So after we have been regenerated, we have such a hope that is enlivening our being. Yeah. And, and this enlivening will eventually cause us to become something that expresses God's glory on this earth. So let's uh, sing this hymn again. And we just treasure this life's rich flowing uh, that uh, we can enjoy. Even through the singing, we can enjoy the dispensing of this of this triune God flowing through all our being. So Etienne, you can play for us again and then uh, we can sing with.
quite instructive if we in our groups had a bit of an uh, adjustment so we first will read the section of the word as displayed verses one to verse four but we're going to have a little bit of an adjustment and this is for all of us to participate um, this doesn't mean we have to be experts i like the bible it encourages us to practice so tonight we can practice to receive the word uh, by praying. Uh, so the verses we can uh, practice with are verses three and four of First Peter chapter one. The reason why is Peter's writings are so dense. It is easy for us to glance over and miss what the Lord is revealing to us. So for tonight, we're going to read verses one through four, but then we're going to go back to verse three and four and just pray over it uh, in maybe in phrases, um, not long composed prayers, but we just, uh, essentially we are chewing on the word. Um, so that's what we will do tonight in our groups. Um, so, Brother Atien, maybe you could split us up. I think five minutes should be sufficient. Is that how do you, but five minutes should be oh, sufficient? That sounds good. Maybe just five minutes is good. And so, okay. Saints, I, I like what Hector said. We are just learning to, to chew on this word. And um, we don't have to be experts on this, but... Uh, we also don't have to try and compose long prayers of, uh, you know, trying to think what what should we what should we pray. We can just use the words that are in the Bible, and so we just use these phrases. For instance, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." Amen. Lord, we bless you. You are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. You are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just in a simple way, we just take this, take these words and we make it our prayer. Maybe we can even pray, thank you, you are not just the God and Father, but you are our God and Father. Oh, God is our Father. So I, I just encourage you, maybe you've never tried this before, maybe you can just make it, just exercise to, to, to take these words and make them a little prayer in your heart to the Lord. Amen. Okay, so welcome back, everyone. I think we should all be back in the main room now. Maybe for some of you, it was a bit uh, different than what you have experienced in the past. Um, we'd like to, well, i just like to encourage you, just keep endeavoring. Our goal is to to really enjoy and chew on God's word and be able to extract the nourishment. And then even through this enjoyment of touching God's word with our spirit, 
we can really receive light. The light will come through our exercise of our spirit. It's not just a matter of understanding things in our mind, but actually we want to receive light in God's word because God's word is full of light. So, brothers and sisters, I would just encourage you, even if uh, maybe this was a bit strange to you or you haven't tried to pray over God's word like this before, I would just encourage you to um, endeavor to keep trying. Um, our goal is not to, uh, you know, not to do anything but to touch the Lord. This is what we are after. We want to be those who just touch God's God himself in his word. Okay, praise the Lord. Uh, I, I hope um, we all uh, touch the Lord, at least a little bit, maybe even through some other prayers. Okay, so um, tonight um, we're going to uh, continue with this matter of our salvation uh, in the book of First Peter. And um, last week, we saw that um, God was operating. Hallelujah. We had the triune God. We had the Father choosing us. We had the Spirit sanctify us. And we saw that that sanctification was even before we were saved, not the same as our dispositional sanctification that Paul talks of in Romans 8. But this is a sanctification that brought us and separated us from the world unto the obedience of the sprinkling of the blood. Right, that's what it says. Unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, who redeemed us through his blood. So eventually we were brought to the redemption of Christ. So the triune God was operating in order for us to participate in this full enjoyment and the full uh full salvation. So tonight we want to continue with this matter of the full salvation of the triune God and its issue. So we're going to look at this salvation. Um, actually, we'll, we'll see the fourth step of this salvation and what this issue is in. Now, Peter, we're just going to cover a few verses tonight. Actually, verse 2, we'll, um, I think Brother Hector might share a little bit on verse 2 later on. And then um, I'm going to go through verses 3 and 4 now. So this seems a bit, well, you know, we're going through these verses very, you know, slowly. But if you look at all these words that Peter are using, all these adjectives, and, and how, how he explains our experience of God's salvation, you just realize it's very good for us to, to spend some time in these, in these verses and really kind of dig into them and, and extract the the nourishment from them so there's a lot of riches in peter's writing in fact uh he uses words that's uh not not used by by the other apostles um this matter of uh the sprinkling of the blood of jesus christ he he doesn't just say well we were saved by the blood of christ but he uses this specific phrase the sprinkling of the blood of jesus christ why does he do that well, Peter is writing in verse 1, it said that he was writing to the dispersion, right? The sojourners of the dispersion. So we saw that that these ones were the, the scattered Jews. The dispersion means to be sown as a seed, right? So they were kind of sown as a seed in Asia and all these provinces were in Asia. So he was really primarily writing to the Jews who were scattered to these other provinces of Asia. 
And so when he's writing to them, he knows that they know about the sprinkling of the blood because the sprinkling of the blood opened the way for them into God's Old Testament covenant. It was the way that Israel could enter into a covenant with God in the Old Testament. So they know about the sprinkling of the blood. But now he's telling them this is the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So this, he's trying to show them that that blood that was sprinkled in the Old Testament was a type of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood only brought them into the, into the Old Testament, into God's Old Testament covenant. But the blood of Jesus Christ, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, he wants to impress them that this will bring them into God's New Testament economy, into God's new covenant, the covenant that God is making with us as his believers according to the way that he deals with us in his New Testament economy. So, saints, Peter's writing is very rich. So that's why we want to spend some time in, the, in these verses to really get into the the depths and, and, and really see what Peter is, is speaking to us. So in verse 3, he continues with uh, saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you notice, he uses the definite article there, the God and Father. He doesn't just say, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't just use the word God in a kind of a general sense. Now, the Jews, they believed in God. They believed that God was the creator, that he was the one. God was the one who created, and he was the one that started everything. He was the one that called Abraham, and, uh, and he's the God of this chosen race called Israel. But they do not know God as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So even though we don't, we as believers, we don't believe in a different God from those from the Jews who do not believe in Jesus. We don't have a different God. But the our experience of God and our relationship to God is very different from what they experience in the Old Testament. They experienced God only as the creator. But Peter uses this phrase, the God and Father, showing them that God is not only the God of creation, but he is also the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is also the God and Father of this one who was incarnated to come and dwell among man. So God is not just an object of God. Saints, this should impress us that, that, that we don't just have the thought that, that God is objective. Many people speak about God in this kind of a way. Yes, you know, everybody believes in the same thing. It's all kind of the same thing. No, 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 no. We need to realize that God is not just the creator God. He is not just the God far away in the heavens any longer, but he is now the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter goes on to use this words. He says, well, according to his great mercy has regenerated us. Peter is the only one who uses this phrase, great mercy, the great mercy of God. 
I was thinking in Ephesians, Paul uses this word uh, according to his rich mercy. In Ephesians 2, he says, uh, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So, so we see Peter uses God's mercy. He is, is telling us, brothers and sisters, he's not just merciful to us, but according to his great mercy. How precious that we have Peter's writing. Brothers and sisters, I really, I really feel like this is so, so wonderful that we can get into Peter's epistles because Peter uses words that neither Paul nor John uses. And if we didn't have his writings, we would be short of, of, of experiences of Christ. And this encourages me because maybe I don't have, you know, we don't have, we only have a particular portion, each one of us. But you know what, brothers and sisters, every single one of us have a very unique and particular portion of Christ that only you have. And that portion is needed by the body. No one in the body has your portion. And the body is, will be uh, short of the riches of Christ without your portion of Jesus Christ. Okay. So then Peter goes on to say that according to his great mercy, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has regenerated us unto a living hope. Okay, so now I want to just read us a footnote here. In verse 3, 4, there's a footnote uh, about uh, at this verse, regenerated. Okay, so the footnote says, regeneration, like redemption and justification, is an aspect of God's full salvation. Redemption and justification solve our problem with God and reconcile us to God. Regeneration enlivens us with God's life, bringing us into a relationship of life and organic union with God. Hence, regeneration issues and results in a living hope. Such regeneration is accomplished through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Christ bringing in life and the gift of the life-giving spirit is that which potentates the new birth into a living hope. Okay, I'll speak a little bit about that a bit later. That little quotation from Alfred there. But I want us to be impressed that there were these four steps. Okay, last week we saw that the Father chose us before the foundation of the world. Okay, what does Peter say? Chose us according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay. In Paul's epistles, we see that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Okay, so God the Father, he initiated this salvation, our entering into this full salvation of God by choosing us. He chose us before the foundation of the world. It was not of us. We didn't initiate this. This was initiated by God. So God the Father initiated this by choosing us. Then God the Spirit began to work in our environment in order to sanctify us, to set us apart from the world, to bring us to the point that we can be obedient unto the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So the Spirit started to sanctify, set us apart unto 
the obedience unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So that was unto the, our redemption. So now, Peter is saying that issued in, you know what happened when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we were obedient and we confessed and we, we proclaimed that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. I'm a sinful man and I've been set apart for God. Saints, isn't it true when that gospel came to you, faith just rose up within you. Sometimes it's hard to explain this to someone who's an unbeliever. You know, where do you get faith from? Well, someone just told me about Jesus and something within me responded, okay? We heard the gospel and this response was an obedience unto the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So spontaneously, we received his redemption, the blood that redeemed us. We received that. And what was the result of receiving that redemption? We were regenerated. So initially, we were set apart, justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what this is talking about, right? Like redemption and justification. Okay, regeneration. Like redemption, justification. So Christ redeemed us, and we were justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. We were made right with God. Okay, so now we have a regeneration. Okay, redemption and justification solved our problem with God, but now we are regenerated. What does it mean to be regenerated? Regeneration is to have another life, it's to have a life in addition to our human life. Francis, this is too wonderful for me. I hope this point really impresses us. I like to ask Christians, what does it mean to be a Christian? Sometimes I ask unbelievers also, what does it mean to be a Christian? So sometimes we have the thought, okay, to be a Christian is to, sometimes people say it's to, it's to be nice or to, you know, to do nice things or to believe in God, which, which it is. We have to believe in God. Otherwise, you can't be a Christian, right? It's to, it's to know the Lord Jesus. It's to love him. It's to um, believe that he died for us and that he rose from the dead. But brothers and sisters, tonight, I want to impress you with the fact that to be a Christian is to have another life in addition to your human life. What I thought that a human being can have both the human life and the divine life, that God can now be called the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is no longer just God, but He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. He is our God and Father. God can even be called our Father now. This is what it is to be regenerated. Brothers and sisters, yes, we have our human life, which we receive through our human birth. But we now have another life in addition to our to our um, to our to our human life. We have the divine life, and you know what this divine life issues in. This divine life issues in what he says here: regenerated us unto a living hope. So it issues. It it has this unto. It has with a view to issuing in a living hope. 
What does it mean to have a living hope? It's also not so easy to explain. Maybe living hope will say, well, it's the opposite of having a kind of a dead hope, right? We were, before we were saved, we were dead in our offenses and sins, okay? That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2. We were dead. Later on, he even says that we were without God in the world and we had no hope. Let me just read that verse quickly. He says, that at that you this is Ephesians 2 verse 12 that you were at that time apart from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise having no hope and without God in the world wow that is really a pitiful situation right having no hope no hope and without God in the world so yes, a living hope is we it's opposed to being without God and in the world, right? But actually to have a living hope, brothers and sisters, through our experience, we realize that this living hope is to have a hope that our entire being will be brought into life. Uh this um, phrase by Dean Alfred, it says, that's the last little phrase of footnote 3, 4. So it's uh, verse 3, footnote 4. It says, the resurrection of Christ, bringing in life and the gift of the life-giving spirit is that which potentates. I think that means like it has like a powerful effect. It has like the ability to affect something, okay? The new birth into a living hope. So brothers and sisters, we have a new birth that gives us hope that our entire being will be brought into life. You can say that uh, when we were made alive, God, if you use the word life as a verb, he, he lifed us. And this life will now spread through all our being. Our entire being will be made life. He will life our entire being. In other words, he will enliven our entire being. And not only our being, but even everything related to our living, everything related to us will become life. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a living hope. I really, I, I, I long for this, that I would have such a living hope. Don't you feel like how wonderful it would be if all our situations and all our environments were brought into life, were made life? It would be enlivened. Praise the Lord. We have such a living hope today through the regeneration. Uh, we have been regenerated unto such a living hope. In uh, John, he writes about us being born again. In John 3, he tells Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nicodemus asks him, how does this work? Even in, in chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, John is telling us that everyone who believes into God will receive 
eternal life and they will be begotten okay begotten of god in paul he 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 says he, he doesn't use this word regenerated but in first corinthians 4 he says i have begotten you through the gospel to the corinthians so that implies kind of a, a, a begotten right a, a, a rebirth i have begotten you through the uh, it implies this matter of regeneration. I realize this. Peter is the only one who uses this word regeneration. He's the one is, who saw that through God's great mercy, we have been regenerated. And then he not only tells us that we have been regenerated, but he even tells us the issue of this regeneration. He tells us what is the what is going to happen? We have a living hope. What, what do unbelievers hope in? Ah, oh, brothers and sisters, they, they, unbelievers, the best they can hope for is they actually just live to die. I'm sorry to say that. That sounds a bit harsh, right? But, but every human being on this earth will die. That's what will be the issue of our life is death. It sounds harsh, but that's the reality. Without Christ, we are just going to die. We are just on our way to death. That's our destiny. That's, our, that's what we're all marching. We're all like on this course. <laughs> and no matter how rich you are, no matter how powerful you are, no matter what, you know, what you've done in this world, no matter what you think of yourself, you're also going to die. But we, that's what we have in Adam. But we have a living hope. Then Peter says, he says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when were we regenerated? Well, he says here, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When was Jesus Christ resurrected? Actually, we're all born into Adam. Brothers and sisters, this is what we have. We're all born into Adam. What we receive from our natural parents is a life that will die. Okay. It sounds kind of maybe discouraging, but praise the Lord. We have a living hope. Hallelujah. For regeneration. Don't you just want to, you want to preach the gospel after such a speaking by Peter? We need to tell others there's a living hope. I'm just okay. In Adam, all I have is death. There's a hymn that talks. All I have in Adam is but sin and death. But I in Christ inherit and will come to the inheritance. Life and righteousness. What I have in Christ is life. Righteousness. I inherit something that has hope. That fills me with hope. A living hope. Brothers and sisters, this is too wonderful. We have such a living hope. We just, I'm sure you, we need to tell others about this, right? We're not just, and this regeneration happened at the resurrection of Christ. So we were born into Adam. 6,000 years ago, okay? Or 4,000 years, I don't know how many years ago. Maybe 6,000 years ago. That's what we have in Adam. Everything and every single human being on this earth inherited their life from Adam. They got it from, from Adam. That's what we have. We have this. But at the resurrection of Christ, we were regenerated with the Lord Jesus Christ. At Christ's resurrection, we were given another life. Praise the Lord. Okay. Then it says, this regeneration 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, is unto an inheritance. So now, this also is with a view to. This also issues in an inheritance. What is this inheritance? An inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading. Okay, what wonderful words. It's incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it's unfading. Kept in the heavens for you. Now, when we read this, we might think that this inheritance is something for the future. But brothers and sisters, this inheritance, yes, it is kept in the heavens for us. But we could and should enjoy our inheritance right now. Yes, there are fuller aspects to this inheritance. But the triune God is operating through the Father's choosing, the Spirit's sanctifying, the Son's redeeming, the Spirit's regenerating us, or the triune God here, right? The Father, the Lord Jesus, and then we regenerate it through the Spirit, right? We were born of the Spirit. We now have an inheritance that I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, is not just for the future. You know what we inherited from our parents? We inherited all the blessings and enjoyment of the earth. We inherit sunlight, the atmosphere, plants, rain. Without such an inheritance, life on earth would cease to exist. So we did inherit something. But this inheritance is not something merely objective. But this is an inheritance that we can enjoy and experience now. It is not only something for the future. But this inheritance is something eternal. It is something kept in the heavens, but that we can enjoy today. There is a heavenly ladder connecting the heavens to the earth. There is a ladder. What if you, the Lord, in John, is it John chapter 1, he tells the disciples, you know, what if you saw the Son of Man ascending, or, 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 or the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man? Jesus answered and said to him, uh, okay, it's because I saw you under the fig tree that you believe. This is verse 50 of John 1. John 1 verse 50. You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So there will be a traffic between heaven and earth. This is like electricity, right? I don't have a power station in my home. I don't have load shedding now. Praise the Lord. I'm enjoying the electricity from the power station. I don't have a power station in my home, but I have a connection between the power plant and my home. There is a connection. So even though I don't have the power plant here, I'm enjoying the riches. There is light here. There's, 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 I can use these devices and things. There is the experience, the enjoyment, the partaking of what is being generated. Okay, so brothers and sisters, we should not 
think that our inheritance of the triune God is something only for the future, one day when we get to heaven. But there is a divine transmission that we need to be enjoying every single day. We need to enjoy this transmission moment by moment. When we touch our human spirit, there is a connection. We have been regenerated. In other words, we have this life. This life issues in a living hope. In a living hope that will enliven our entire being through our participation of this divine inheritance, this divine traffic between heaven and earth, between God and us. Actually, it's not something like the electricity has to, you know, it's, it comes from far away to us. Yes, there's this ladder that the Lord uses as an example in John chapter 1. But you know what? It's in our spirit. Within your very spirit, within your human spirit, right within your very being, there is the divine trinity wanting to dispense, wanting to transmit all of his riches for your participation and enjoyment that you can know and that you can experience the full salvation of the triune God. So this salvation of the triune God issues, brothers and sisters, not in something kept in heaven for us for one day, but it issues in our inheritance, in our participating, in our partaking of this, these riches right now. Paul even says in, 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 in Ephesians 3 verse 8, he says, I've been appointed as a minister and I, for the Gentiles to announce to them the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. There is an unsearchably rich store within Christ. And this is the gospel. This is our inheritance and our rightful enjoyment on the earth right now, today. Oh, may the Lord really strengthen us into this. We could enjoy this life flow between us and God. Thank the Lord that Peter is, is bringing us into this through his speaking. Okay, I'm going to stop there. And then Hector, you can continue, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was, that was, very, that was very enjoyable. On the one hand, we are regenerated unto a living hope and this hope is unto uh, an inheritance and this inheritance is incorruptible undefiled and unfading kept in the heavens for you amen for you <laughs> the lord wants us to enjoy this inheritance it's for us um, on the one hand it's kept in the heavens but it needs to be enjoyed on the earth. Uh, it's quite significant that it doesn't say kept in the heavens for you in the future. Actually, it's right now kept in the heavens. But it's for us to enjoy right now. I really appreciate this. Um, the Lord, actually, when he regenerated us, 
he imparted his life into us. And this life brought with it a hope. This hope is what Peter calls a living hope. Uh, it actually is a hope for, for life. You know, um, anything that has hope is related to life. You know, um, when you water plants, you may have a garden in your house. You water the plants with the hope that they would grow. So you would say that you have a living hope for the plants, that the plants would grow and experience and grow in life. So in the same way, when the Lord Jesus came into us, he regenerated us. I love that word because inside of it is the word gene, gene like genetics. Initially, we had Adamic genes. And the goal, the end result of Adamic, of, of uh, Adam's genes, are just death. The Lord made it clear in, in the Garden of Eden if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And when we were born into Adam, that was our inheritance. We didn't work for this. It's something we just inherited. We received by having that kind of a life. But praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, another life came in. We have received another life. And with this life is another inheritance. This kind of inheritance is not one of death, but it's a living hope. It's a hope that this life would saturate our entire being. Oh, I really appreciate what Peter is, is speaking to us here. And maybe just to, to backtrack here a bit, saints, is we should have this kind of an expectation. Um, I don't know what your situation is in the Christian life right now. Maybe you might feel empowered to go on. Maybe you might feel indifferent. You might feel you're not making any progress. But I would like to um, point something out. The person who wrote this book used to be very natural. He used to be very competitive. He was an unbuildable brother who, who held grudges. How many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times? He held grudges. Uh, he wanted to be number one. Lord, I want to sit on. I, I, they were contending who was, who was better. The Lord was about to die and he was praying. Um, and, and these brothers were competing who was better than the other. This is the kind of person Peter was. Uh, actually, many a time when Peter was living in this way, the Lord would call him Simon. Simon, Simon. But isn't it encouraging that these epistles are not the epistles of Simon? It's not the first and second epistle of Simon, but of Peter. My point is, when this life, this is the hope, the living hope. This is what this life does. This life can transform us from a Peter, sorry, from a Simon to a Peter. Dear saints, we have a living hope. And our experience in the Christian life begins with the triune God. 
the subject of First Peter is the Christian life and the government of God. Um, typically, uh, sometimes we might hear the words triune God, dispensing divine trinity. We might feel this has nothing to do with us. It, this is theological purposes. But Peter, when he talks about the Christian life, the first thing he touches is the triune God. Did you realize this? That's the first thing he touches. Don't think the triune God is for theological people. The fishermen, Peter, enjoyed the triune God. So my point is, although Peter might be unlearned, Peter was actually deep in his experience of the triune God. He was actually deep in his seeing the revelation of the triune God. Paul tells us that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. But Peter says we were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. Um, this is so encouraging. That means God saw who we are, what kind of a person we are, and God still chose us. This is so encouraging. <laughs> this, is, this is so encouraging. Peter knows, he tells us, God saw me as this difficult, unbuildable, grudge-holding person, but God still chose me. How about that? Chosen according to the foreknowledge, foreknowledge. But how did this foreknowledge of God, this choosing, how did we experience it? Peter shows us that this choosing of God according to his foreknowledge was brought to our experience through the sanctification of the spirit. That's verse two, it says chosen according to the foreknowledge of God in the sanctification of the spirit. Actually, without the sanctification of the spirit, we would not have any enjoyment or experience of God's choosing. You consider, uh, I don't know uh, when you heard about the Lord, when you received the gospel, but actually, if you consider your environment, you realize the Lord had to work in order to cause you to open. You know, many a time, maybe somebody spoke the gospel to us, no obedience. We, we did not obey the sprinkling. We had no, um, you need to believe in the Lord. Nah, I don't wanna. Maybe people invited us to a church meeting. We're like, no, no obedience. But then the spirit began to sanctify, work in our environment. We call this positional sanctification. What, what this means is the spirit began to set us apart in position. What for? It's so that we would obey the sprinkling of the blood of Christ unto the obedience. When we obeyed that, we began to enjoy God's choosing. Do you see this? My point is actually the basis of our Christian life is actually the triune God. Do not think the triune God is for doctrinal purposes. Your receiving of the Lord actually was the experience of a triune God. 
the spirit was operating. Why was he operating? He was operating to bring you into God's choosing. Otherwise, without the spirit, we would, we would not have the occasion. You know, some brothers, they, one brother, he, he testified that um, he was in the laundry room, in the laundry room, about to do his laundry. Um, nothing going on. And what he found was a gospel tract, a gospel booklet. Who can arrange for a gospel tract to be in your laundry room? It was the spirit sanctification. <laughs> the spirit will go where people cannot go. He will rise up the right conditions in our heart. Uh, I know some people when they obtained something they thought would be uh, the pinnacle of their life. Some people, when they were graduating from college, they thought, man, I can't wait to graduate. I'll be the happiest. But when they graduate inwardly, there was this shortage of, is this it? Who can cause that kind of an experience? The sanctification of the spirit. And this kind of a sanctification caused us to open to the law, to obey unto the obedience. And when we obeyed the gospel, there was the sprinkling. When, as soon as we enjoyed the sprinkling, Peter says, regenerate it. New genes, another life came in. Now that we have another life, this life has a hope. This life has a goal. Uh, I, I like the word, it says, uh, um, this life, um, the life-giving spirit uh, potentiates a new birth unto a living hope. You know, in, uh, in, in, in Paul's words, actually before we received the Lord, we were in the world no, with no hope, hopeless. But when we receive this life, this life has a lot of potential to grow. Now we have a direction, a new direction. Our direction is no longer death, but our direction is a living hope. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Actually, this matter of regeneration, dear saints, if we touch this matter in the proper way, our Christian life would be um, uh, effortless. Effortless. We need to realize our Christian life is not that the Lord gave us a new opportunity to try to fix our mistakes. No, it's not a clean sheet. That is not what Peter tells us. We were regenerated. We have another life, not a new, new um, uh, what do they call it? A, a new page, uh, uh, turning a new leaf. No, no, no. We we, we're, not in a, we're not even in the same book. We're not turning a new page of the same book. We have another life, the divine life. Oh, when we live by this life, this life has a tra trajectory. It has a certain goal. And this goal is to fill our entire being with life. Um, okay. Um, so this, this is what we need to realize, that we were regenerated unto a living hope. And Peter tells us this hope is an inheritance. 
I, I like what Brother Adrian mentioned that, you know, when we were born in the human life, we received certain uh, things. And these things are not things we worked for. These things were handed down to us. They were given to us. Uh, you know, the human life can enjoy the sunshine. The human life can enjoy the rain. It can enjoy the produce from the earth. All these kinds of inheritances we have received. In the same way, when we receive the divine life, we received an inheritance. Actually, we can enjoy this life. When we receive the human life, we did not have to wait for the future to enjoy all these inheritances that come with it. Actually, they were on the earth. We just needed to get them, right? Today, we, we are enjoying uh, vegetables. They come from the ground. They are kept in the ground, but they're for us to enjoy. We need to take them. They, they are on the earth. They're kept on the earth, but they're not... For, for the future. They require us to just take them and enjoy them, right? We, we don't, we don't uh, you know, the chicken, when, it, when it, it lays eggs, the eggs are not for the future. The eggs are actually for us to enjoy right now. In the same way, in the divine life, all that God is, all that God has and has done is kept in the heavens but it is not for the future. It is for us to enjoy today. Uh, you know, today, many of us use bank cards. Um, you know, we don't walk around with a, a lump sum of money. Um, we keep the money in the bank, but that money is not for the future. We have a connection with the bank by some bank card. We can swipe, right, to enjoy all that is stored. Yes, it's stored in the bank, but there needs to be this transmission. We, need, we can enjoy all that God is by, by this. Um, Brother Adrian used the example of electricity. We don't keep electricity in our backyard. Electricity is stored in a power plant. But by virtue of this connection, with the power plant, we can enjoy all. We can enjoy all the conveniences brought in, or even I would say the inheritances that come with um, uh, this matter. Um, so the point is, we need to be those who are enjoying. The divine life is not for us to one day go to some place. Actually, God's goal is that we would enjoy the divine life day by day. Of course, there is the side of us receiving a reward um, in the future, but that reward depends on how well we enjoy the inheritance today. How well we enjoy the inheritance today. Uh, the more we enjoy the inheritance today, the more the reward. Okay. But I would like to give us um, some practical um, outcomes of regeneration. Again, regeneration here. I hope, dear saints, we would learn from Peter. Uh, 
to remind you again, Peter is writing to the dispersed saints. They are of Jewish origin. They began to believe in the Lord. And according to X8, we saw that there was a persecution. Because of their receiving the Lord, their fellow countrymen and also the, the, the country they lived in was ruled by the Roman people. So they were dispersed. In a sense, there wasn't a lot for the saints to enjoy. How would you write to the saints who are scattered and are persecuted? You know what Peter says? Blessed be the God. Peter is helping the saints to realize not just something on the surface. He's bringing them to their divine inheritance. They lived in a country which was unrighteous. The government wasn't fair to them. They were under persecution, dispersed because of their uh, believing in the Lord. But Peter says, dear saints, learn to bless the Lord, who according to his great mercy has regenerated us. Many a time, because of my experience, uh, when I hear the word mercy, I take it in a natural way. Um, mercy, many people identify with the word mercy because of how much we need it. You know, uh, if you read the Psalms, oh, there's many praising of, of the Lord. They're praising God for his great mercy. His mercy endures forever. But would you look at Peter? When he praises God for his mercy, it's not because of Peter's pitiful condition. Peter's praise of God is according to God's economy. He's praising God according to God's purpose. When I think of mercy, it's because I'm, I'm a failure, I'm a sinner, so I need mercy. But Peter says, no, blessed be the God who according to his great mercy, not has forgiven us, nor has pardoned our sins, but Peter touches God's heart. What does God need? Sinless people? No. God needs many sons to express him. Peter touches God's heart. Who has regenerated us? Not just pardon our sins. Oh, dear saints, I hope we would see this fisherman. This fisherman touched something high. He wasn't praising God according to the low level. You know, I hope we would learn from Peter, even in our table meeting, to learn to praise God according to his purpose, according to his intention. Yes, thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. And, and I'm not saying we should minimize that. If the Lord leads us that way, hallelujah. But look at Peter. Look, what, what kind of an appreciation is in this brother? What is the great mercy for? It's not to cover our transgressions. Actually, to cover our transgressions would be short. God's great mercy has gone even beyond that. God's great mercy has imparted God's life into us. Oh, oh Lord Jesus, I hope we would have this kind of an appreciation. Not only is God the creator, but he's the father, one who is looking to beget many sons 
quite full for his expression on the earth. What a mercy, what a mercy that God would regenerate vipers into sons. We were, we were a breed of vipers. What has God done? He has regenerated us. Now we have a living hope. Oh, okay. Uh, I would like to mention, um, saints, um, how we can live the Christian life. We have been regenerated. Now we have a living hope. How do we live? The way we live now, we need to see what has regeneration done for us. Uh, first thing I would like to mention that uh, regeneration has done for us is that um, in regeneration, we became children of God. I would like to emphasize this again. We have a life. And because we have the life, the life has the potential to grow. We have become children. Now when we live by this life which has been imparted into us, we can grow to be sons and eventually full-grown heirs. So the Christian life, what is the Christian life? Actually, a Christian life is just a life of growing, allowing this life which we have received to grow. And also we have been... Um, Another thing that uh, happened is that we not only became children of God, but also we were born again. Uh, in Paul's words, we were born anew. Uh, sorry, John's words. We were born anew. You know, um, I like what Brother Adrian mentioned. When Nicodemus came to the Lord, what should I do? Nicodemus wanted to do. And the Lord said, unless you are born anew. You have no part with God. Dear saints, we have been regenerated. We have been born anew. Our portion is God. We can see the kingdom of God. We can enter into it. Actually, by our birth, we have been brought into the kingdom of God. So these are the two things that we have become. Now, what did we receive? Again, we have received uh, the life of God. And with this life uh, was the divine nature. Uh, I'm going to mention it later uh, on um, pretty soon. But we have received the life and every life has a nature, has a shape and an expression. So we have received the life of God. And this life will take a certain shape when it grows. Um, so that's the one thing we have received. Not only have we received the life of God, we have also received the spirit. According to Ezekiel, the Lord said he will put his spirit into us. And according to 2 Corinthians 13, uh, I believe it's verse 5, it says, now that we are of the faith, we need to realize something about us, that Jesus Christ is in us. How about this? This is the Christian life, dear saints. The Christian life is a life where Jesus Christ is in us. It's not a life of improving, a life of bearing the unreasonable conditions. No, it's a life where we, have, we are receiving in the divine life of God. We're growing in it. And 
Jesus Christ is in us, and we're enjoying the, the Holy Spirit. And I would like to mention two things that the Lord has done in us. So first I mentioned what we became, and then I mentioned what we received at regeneration. Now I would like to mention what happened to us. The first thing that happened is that we had a new heart. Dear saints, we have a new heart. Our heart is no longer one of stone toward the Lord. Our heart has been made soft to love him. You're going to see later on in verse 9, Peter says, Whom having not seen, you love. How can you love? In Adam, there's no love. But in Christ, our heart, we have a new heart. Now we can love him. How about this? Not only have we received a new heart, we have received a new spirit. Uh, this is what happened to us. Our heart was renewed and our spirit was renewed. Actually, in Peter's words, uh, Peter says, God has granted to us everything we need to relate it to life and godliness. These are the divine provisions for us to conduct the Christian life and live under God's government. I hope, I hope you will enjoy this. What a, what a divine inheritance, dear saints. Not, not for the future. It is for today. Our new heart is for today. Our new spirit is for today. Our enjoying Christ in us is for today. Yes, these, this inheritance is kept in the heavens, but it's, it's meant to be enjoyed on the earth. The more we enjoy this inheritance, dear saints, we go from being a Simon to being a Peter. Hallelujah. I like this. Peter says this inheritance is incorruptible. You will, uh, later on, we will get into this. Um, this is God's full salvation. God not only saves us from sin, but he saved us from even the corruptible things. Everything in Adam is corruptible, even corrupting as we speak. Corruption is just, is just rampant in Adam. But in Christ, we have an inheritance. This inheritance is incorruptible. This is related to God's divine nature incorruptible. Hallelujah. That's what we have. And Peter says, undefiled. Undefiled. This means our inheritance is pure. Oh, hallelujah. In Adam, a lot of mixture. A lot of mixture. Not only a lot of mixture, but even defilement. Peter says the inheritance is undefiled. This refers, this is related to the condition. The condition of our inheritance is undefiled. Everything we got in Adam, you know, um, you know, in Adam, you don't need to do anything. You, you, are, you are condemned already. Just by being in Adam. <laughs> just by being in Adam, you, you, you are just condemned. You, you are defiled. It's not about what you did. It's who you're in. But when we were regenerated, we were brought into a new person, Christ. And in him, undefiled. 
the inheritance is undefiled. Uh, and finally, the inheritance is unfading, unfading. This refers to its expression, its glory. According to Peter, the flesh is like grass and its glory is like a flower. It withers. That's what we have in Adam. It just fades. Dear saints, what we have in Christ is unfading. As a matter of fact, in Christ, we go from glory to glory. These things, the, uh, the incorruption, undefiled and unfading, this is our experience of the triune God. Uh, incorruption refers to God the Father's nature. Undefiled, this is related to uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's holy, undefiled. And unfading, this refers to the Son. He is the effulgence of God's glory. Actually, do you see that our Christian life is altogether a life of mingling, enjoying, enveloped with the triune God? I hope we would not uh, have the view that the triune God is for, for all the theologians. Actually, the triune God, on the one hand, we need to have the revelation of who he is, but also we need to have the experience. This is the Christian life and God's government.